coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. But there, there are many, you know, many sorts of, of issues, and, and I guess the ones that I've dealt most with uh, and seem to be very productive in terms of loosening many things up are values about values and decision making. How do you make decisions? What's, mm -hmm. what's a process of making a good decision? Because we tend to judge a decision by the outcome, and that's mm -hmm. really unfair because we have no, especially in, you know, for executives, that it's just so complex. You mm -hmm. cannot possibly control all of those variables. So you make the decision in the best way that you can based on the information that you have. So then what can you do in making that process of decision making in such a way that the decisions that you make turn out, you know, better statistically maybe in the long run than they used yeah. to. And in order to do that, you have to um, refine the information gathering that you get and also you have to refine your own thinking so that you're you're not going to fall into the tricks and traps that your brain will easily set out for you confirmation bias and all of those sorts of things yeah so decision making um values um and certainly personal branding leadership especially in teams um it's all it's all important and, and i don't you know, whatever, whatever the starting point is, it, it usually branches out after that. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Joseph O'Connor, who is the director of Lambent. Joseph is a prolific writer. He has written about 20 books and has sold more than a half a million copies. He's also the co-founder of the International Coaching Community. In our conversation today, Joseph and I explore his learnings that he has realized by coaching many different leaders in many different industries. We get into some of the frameworks, and it was really interesting, actually, because even the way that I was asking the questions, he was sort of diving into specific words that I was using, and those words, the way that I was phrasing things, gives him clues on what the, I guess, what the true motivations are behind those phrases and the choice of words that his clients are choosing to use. Really, really interesting. Again, he's really in tune with how people are communicating and is incredibly skilled at taking those thought processes and sort of spinning them on their side and making you see it from a different perspective and realize that, hey, you know what? He, you are right. I am not necessarily maybe fully committed to that idea or that, you know, that thought process. So really, really insightful, really interesting. And we, again, the, the, the conversation took a number of different twists and turns today because, again, these types of conversations 
can go down all kinds of different rabbit holes. And uh, it was a lot of fun talking with Joseph. So with that, I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. It was it was nice. Dinner table, parents, myself, my sister, eating some some food. Uh, you know, when when you're a kid, all food is good, right? Yeah. Except, yeah. except for spinach. <laughs> it, it always seems to be those sort of things that are particularly good for you when you're a kid. The things that taste the worst are the ones that that are the best for you, and your parents want you to eat. But uh, no, I have I have good memories of, of dinner time. Yeah, yeah. It, and, it was uh, it was it. Uh you know, basically just talking about the day's events or anything like that. Do you remember like any standout things, any standout meals, anything that you were like, yeah, you know, that's, that's one thing that I, I kind of, you know, flash into my head as, as I think back onto, you know, those times, you know, sort of growing up. Not really. Um, I mean, my father was an actor. He, he did stage and TV and film. And my mother also uh, acted. That was her career too. Although not, not my father was the breadwinner, as it were, uh, from that point of view. So, um, you know, if we talk about dinners, uh, we'd often have dinners with with guests, mm-hmm. interesting people, very interesting people mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. from the stage and screen, as it were. So that was always fascinating. And, and uh, a lot of the time I would just listen. I would just, wow, you know, wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, that's that. That's a unique, uh, unique upbringing. Does anything stand out? And I mean, you don't have to name any names, but any like stories that you're like, wow, you know, that's that's something that I, you know, I can't believe I got to experience that, you know, as a as a kid. That's that's funny to, taking me back to that. I haven't really thought about this, but you know, you you see people on TV, film, and everything, and they're they're always larger than life, and you always yeah. think about them that way. And when they're around the dinner table talking, and and you know laughing and, and saying about their their life and, and the real things that happened to them they're just people you know mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. interesting people and you can or I could I thought I could see when when they were putting on an act and when they weren't and sometimes they kind of flip in and out of it and then they'd realize mm-hmm. oh no I'm, I'm not acting <laughs> I don't have to impress anybody here yeah <laughs> we're all, all part of the same thing so it was it was really interesting and they were very interesting people that had a lot of uh, life experience of course and in wide range of things so maybe it kind of made me think well this is how the the world is is interesting mm-hmm, <laughs> from yeah that point of view. and there, there's a lot of things going on that behind the scenes literally behind the screen which um, you just don't know about yeah. With, with, uh, you know, with that sort of upbringing, I mean, I'm sure that that probably influenced, obviously influenced your, your early years, but do you feel like it influenced you, uh, you know, sort of on your entrepreneurial journey? And, and again, I'm not quite sure what, what age you were when you, you know, sort of first started your, your first explorations into entrepreneurialism. Do you, do you think that influenced it at all? Or is it, uh, was it, um, you know, something that kind of hit you later on in life that you're going to go out and do your own thing? No, it's probably it was probably there. I mean, when when I was at school, because my father was an actor, you know, whenever there was a school production, they used to put me in the starring part. Well, mm-hmm. only actually once, because then they discovered that really I couldn't act at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they just did it once. Once was enough. But then after after that, I guess so because you know the 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 acting profession, that kind of artistic profession, is 
you know, you're as good as your last performance, really. Mm -hmm. And you've got to keep on creating. You've got to keep on generating the work. You've got to build, build your name. You've got to, to do the work. And there isn't really much of a, of a safety net mm -hmm. uh, if you don't. So I think probably those were the sort of, the sort of lessons that, that got into me without me realizing it. Yeah. Um, so I, in the whole of my life, I only spent a couple of years actually being employed by anybody. And I very soon realized that self-employment was the only way to go because I was the only person <laughs> that, that would possibly put up with me as an employee. As it yeah, were. yeah. Well, I had to be both employer and employee. Nobody else would, would manage it. But that works fine. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very tolerant employee. But... Yeah, of yourself, yes. Of myself. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so what was your first, you know, your first uh, jump into entrepreneurialism? What, what types of things were you doing that, you know, you said, well, you know, I can't work for somebody else, so I'm going to go and do this. What, what were those types of projects or those, those, those companies? Well, again, I mean, I'm thinking back, entrepreneur, I'm not sure the word had been invented. Yeah. So, you know, the first the first thing I did, I, I uh, learned the guitar, classical guitar, when I was a kid, and I got quite good at it. So the first thing I did was when I went out and, and became a concert classical guitarist and a, and a teacher and composed some music and kind of started to, to do something around that, which was wonderful. It was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It got me interested in psychology and the psychology of learning and performance. So then that took me towards writing some books on that, which mm -hmm. took me towards giving some training, um, which took me towards starting a training company <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and coaching company of, of my own. So I guess there, there was a kind of passage there. Yeah, yeah. And and so so you've written some books and you you said that you... I mean, you kind of just breezed by that. When, when did you write those books? And, and was it like today, it's well known, obviously, you know, you write a book and you kind of establish, establish yourself in that industry. Is that the reason why you wrote those books, you know, then as well? Or was it something that you found, you know, you had a passion for and that you wanted to, that you wanted to write and sort of express yourself that way? Well, yes, yes. And yes, I, I think, uh, there, there's multitudes of reasons for writing a book. If you write it for money, you're a fool for a start. Mm -hmm. um, you've got to write it for all sorts of other things. So my first book was uh, was about basically learning and, and uh, my experiences as a guitarist and a guitar teacher, mm -hmm. and a, you know, very small niche. And I I sent it. I, I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was good. I sent it round to 35 publishers. And I got 35 letters of rejection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought uh, half of them rejected it because they said it's about music and they, were, they published psychology, so that wasn't suitable. The other half said that it was about psychology and they published music, so that wasn't suitable either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it kind of went between the two. Um, but I thought it was good, so I self-published, which was back in 1984, um, you know, something to do. It's easy, much easier now, of course. But uh, then it was was difficult. So I had a you know bedroom full of books <laughs> that I would distribute, and um, it it did okay, and it opened the door to the next book, which a publisher did take on. And I think one of the reasons they did was that I demonstrated that I could write and actually mm -hmm. <laughs> all the other stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So you know I guess that was quite entrepreneurial, although I don't think I knew the word in those days. 
Yeah. 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 No, that, that makes sense. So, so again, there's always a silver lining, or at least I always try to, to look at things, right. So that, you know, that first book that everybody rejected, you know, might've opened up the doors for the the second book. And, yeah. you know, obviously you got that one, that one published. So, so what did, what did, um, what did the book, you know, do for you in your other businesses? How, how did you use, utilize that book to be able to, you know, sort of spring yourself forward, if you will? Well, not so much that book, but the, the books that followed, well, you know, leadership and, and business and health and, and training and all sorts of stuff, they, they do establish you, certainly. The one thing a book does, and, and more so back then, was to kind of put you as an authority. You know, you've written mm-hmm. a book. Oh, you must know something about this. You must be good at this. Yeah. Um, so that really helps. It's one, it was a very good way of getting credibility. Uh, and, and, well... They were they were pretty good, so you know I was, I was happy with that, and it did get get me noticed and and aware. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I always wrote about what interested me. Mm-hmm. I wrote about what I wanted to learn about. I didn't write about what I thought I knew already, um, because I think one of the important things about books and nonfiction books is that um, you know you you've got to do the spade work for the reader so that mm-hmm. they don't have to. So mm-hmm. you get all the information in and you work through it and you make it into some sort of shape and then you can present it to the reader as you know this is kind of ready for you to 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 look at and digest Mm -hmm. and it's more interesting as well if you if you're writing about something that interests you and you you know that you don't know about yeah this drives you forward too so altogether you know that's how it works yeah yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. What um so so you got into the coaching and and you know that that industry, you know, business, leadership, you know, those those types of of topics. Were you working with any specific types of companies, industries, anything like that? And and if so, you know, did you did you have a background in any of those industries or how did you establish yourself in whatever the niche was that you were looking to participate in? I mean, I think probably most interesting is when myself and, and my wife Andrea and who's also where we work together in the business we started the international coaching community we were living in Brazil back in 2001 this this was a, a it was a, a group of you know we did coaching training and consulting and, and things like that and I think well with coaching of course it, it's interesting dynamic because the whole thing about coaching is that you you support and you challenge and you ask difficult questions in order to help your client move forward in in ways that they may be stuck. And if you know a lot about the industry, Mm -hmm. then this becomes more difficult, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So in some ways, it can be a disadvantage to know a lot about the industry in which Mm -hmm. you coach, because you have to kind of clear your mind and, 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 get into that space of not knowing and be able to ask the really basic stupid questions mm-hmm. uh, you know well why do you do it this way yeah yeah <laughs> rather than thinking well of course they do it that way that's the way it works yeah um, so i i like that and um i i found that i i just from from random at the beginning i i had quite a few clients in the in the financial services and also in the energy industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was fascinating for me to learn about uh, as mm-hmm. I coached. 
I think it, to be a good executive coach, you need to, to know business, certainly. Uh, and you need to be able to listen and understand, but you don't need to know about the, the actual content of the business because that's the client's expertise. You know, they, yeah. they do that. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. So I think probably coaching is, is slightly different uh, than some other industries. Um, yeah. But, but the ICC grew very, very strongly and very well from the beginning. And I'm curious, when you're coaching someone, like you said, you kind of have to ha you know, have blinders on or, or you know, wipe your thoughts. So it's best to, to know, not know an industry, which makes perfect sense. And I'm curious, you know, once you, once you sort of established yourself in those industries or, or you, know, you had a number of clients that, that were present in that industry, did you... Did you find, and I guess my, my question here is, is like when I know something because, you know, I might be in the industry or what have you, I sort of say, well, you know, that's, that's obvious. Everybody knows that, right? So you as the coach have to be cognizant of, you know, maybe everybody doesn't know whatever it is that you think that everybody knows and, and being able to bring that up. So I'm curious if you had any tips or techniques, and, and this sort of goes across, you know, pretty well anyone who's teaching anyone how to do something. I think that that's a very common feeling that a lot of people have, you know, when you're, when you're talking to other people that, you know, whatever, whatever this is that's in the top of my head, you know, everybody else knows that already. So did you have any skill sets or any techniques to be able to, I guess, get yourself over that or put yourself in the right type of mindset to be able to, again, put those blinders on or, or assume that everyone doesn't know everything that you know, and, you know, be able to, to sort of offer that, that perspective of, you know, offering information that maybe everyone doesn't necessarily no. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm just because <clears throat> there's kind of two two perspectives or two two points of view here, isn't there? Uh, as a coach, I'd certainly try to go without expectations. Uh, I mean, of course, I can't completely divest myself of everything I know, um, but I can ignore it <laughs> yeah, strategically yeah. when it comes up <laughs> and not yeah. act on it. 
uh, and not ask questions based on it. So I, I try to keep that as clear as possible to give a space for the client to express themselves. As a coach, you're, you're co-creating the, the, the session with the client. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a creation between both of you. And the coach has more responsibility for the process of that, mm -hmm. how it works, and, and the kind of the space that's there and, and what is able to go into the space. And the client has more responsibility for the content, the mm -hmm. actual things that they say and what they're going to talk about and the goals that they have and what's important and everything else that gets that gets put into the process. Um, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but uh, I can't really not a suitable one. Um, but you, you get the idea, you know, that yeah. it goes into the into the process and then it comes out either as uh, something some something beautiful or, or something a bit yeah a little mushy fun. yet that's gets yeah, refined yeah, yeah. or yep. uncooked or something yep. like yeah that. exactly yep but maybe maybe an oven is a good analogy it's not quite right i'll probably get that just after we put this <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that that's you know that's how it works so i try and stay out of the content and um sometimes uh, i may have a story that seems to be relevant to the client Mm -hmm. in which case I'll, I'll say so. But I'll always preface it by, well, that's interesting. Le let me say something ab about my experience of that and tell me if it's useful. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And if it's useful, great. And if it's not useful, great. You know, I don't care. Yeah. The point is I'm just putting something in that, that may, I hope, stimulate the client's thought process. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. So it's, so you, you clearly have, uh, you know, a definition and it's it's great being able to have that framework that you know I'm guiding this, and you know the 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 customer, the client in your in your situation is providing all the content. So, um, so that's a great framework. Do do you have any other you know frameworks that you use to sort of guide that conversation? You know, again, how 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 this sort of evolves, and you know, are there different you know some people call them pillars or different you know different things that you're concentrating on at different stages of you know your 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 process well i mean, i guess that like with anything there is a there is a framework there there's a scaffolding there and if it's done well then no one's aware of the scaffolding but you could you could say of course that you you need to be accepting and, and have a good relationship with with the client so you you let them that they drive the session in terms of what they want to talk about you accept that. You always keep your agreements um, of whatever you agree with them and encourage them to keep their agreements with you and with others. They will always have some issue that they want to discuss. Let's call it a presenting problem or whatever it might be. Problem simply being the difference between where you are and where you want to be. Mm -hmm. If you're not where you want to be, you have a problem. If you're in a very bad place, you have a bad problem. If there's a very big difference between where you are and where you want to be, you have a big problem as well and of course with with coaching it's not therapy it's not like someone's in a very bad place and desperately wants to get out yeah um, most most of the clients are doing extremely well thank you very much but they want to be better they know they can be better and mm -hmm. they want to mm -hmm. be better and that's part of the process so you know even if you're operating at what you think is 90 percent you're operating at 90 percent of what you perceive to be 100 percent and then you have some coaching sessions and you realize, oh, what I thought was my 100% actually isn't. There is space above that. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was operating at 90%. Actually, it looks more like 50 or 60. So 
-hmm. there's some space to expand. And so, yeah, something, something that they want to solve or something that they want to work through. Then there's what's important about that, their, their values. Um, why, why is that important? Why are they talking about that? There's also their ideas about that situation, which I would call mental models mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how they're thinking about it, their previous experience that's already shaped their um, expectations of what's going to happen. And of course, coaching has a saying that uh, it's not, the, the problem is not the problem for the client. The problem is how the client is thinking about the problem. Mm -hmm. So if they think differently, then what they thought was a problem actually isn't, or, or it's, it's a different mm -hmm. sort of problem. Because a coach can't change reality for them. You know, they can't make their, their partner different. They can't change their boss. They can't change the people that the, their direct reports. They can't get them a new job. All they have, all they have to work with is the way that the client is thinking about those things. And then, of course, they may, the client themselves may go about changing them in a particular way or, or not, doesn't matter. So those three things are always present in a coaching session, together with the relationship, of course, the, the co-creation, the toing and froing. And then at the end, it's very important that the client leaves with something to do, an actual action step, because they will go away and think about it. Of course they will. But going away and thinking about it is not a task. It's not a homework. It's not an action step. We, I, I think we learn by doing stuff. And a lot of this is to do with breaking through habits of thinking. And of course, habits are, thing you do, are things we do without thinking. <laughs> and so when we have habits of thinking, they're actually thoughts that we have without reflecting on them that seem to be the correct ones. And the only real way that you can challenge those is to actually be aware and then do something differently, find out what happens, and then that becomes feedback and, and help in terms of what you do next. Now, what happens may, may be good or bad. In that sense, doesn't really matter. But you've learned something and you've got away from this, this framework of a mental model that might have been um, constricting. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you can suggest to people like you mentioned before that you know you you work with leaders that are doing quite well but you know, maybe they 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 have identified something in their life or something that might be missing how how could i identify situations or things that i would need to improve on or or that you know i i could you know potentially improve on and and at the same time, like, you know, so, so we can create this list. What are the, th like, how do I identify what some of the things are that, you know, would have the biggest impact on, you know, the items that, you know, I should be working on or should be paying attention to or identifying even. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, well, a couple of things there. One is the word should, because when generally speaking, when people use the word should, I should do this, I shouldn't do this. What they're actually saying is that uh, I don't want to do this, but mm -hmm. I feel a pressure to do it or, or to not do it. Mm -hmm. So there's a split there. Uh, and whenever I hear the word should in the coaching session, I always make a mark of it because it shows uh, a conflict between mm -hmm. something that, that what's something that one part of them wants to do and, and another part of them doesn't want to do. Mm -hmm. And when they say I should be doing it, the, the part that doesn't want to do it is winning. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. definitely the winning. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes um, clients will ask coaches, you know, I should do this. I should act better towards uh, my boss or whatever it is. 
and they're not clearly otherwise they wouldn't be saying it that way and they want the coach to help them to ally themselves to add add their extra weight to the should <laughs> and and that really doesn't work because first <laughs> you're, you're you're they're asking you to side with the losing side for a start the weaker side so with that thing what i would always try to do is to get to a place where they either say i want to do this mm -hmm. or i don't want to do this mm -hmm. and that's great you know if you want to do it great we'll work on that it's important to you if you don't want to do it great we won't work on it it's not important to you and sometimes these shoulds once they're kind of dug into a little bit um turn out to be just empty really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're just what other people want or, or you know you thought you did so many things we think we want when we actually get them it's like oh is that as good as it gets <laughs> yeah i thought i wanted this i thought it would be great why isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah and other things you know it's quite different so that that's one thing that came from your question uh, i'm trying to kind of take a number of things the other thing is um some these sort of discussions with clients can sometimes get quite abstract mm -hmm. and what i'm always looking for with a client is some kind of metaphor, something to tie their their thinking and their work issue with something else um, that that maybe inspires them. So, like for example, um, a client I remember was talking about uh, dealing with their team and, and the high performance team and all the sorts of, of issues around that. So that can be quite a, a an abstract discussion about qualities of a high performance team and, and everything else. And he'd mentioned uh, early on that he was a, a fan of the Cirque du Soleil. I don't know if you're familiar with the Cirque yeah, du Soleil. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Very innovative. Uh, <laughs> can't really call it circus, but. Yeah, uh, exactly. And it came out of that. And, and so I said, well, supposing, you know, supposing you thought about your team in the same way as, as a, a Cirque du Soleil, whereby you get these uh, incredible athletes that, that, that are just so creative and, and working all together with all the support that they have, of course, behind the scenes and the music and everything else. How might that change the way you think about your team? Mm -hmm. um, and he kind of, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'll, I'll think about that one. And then the next session was, was a brilliant session for him because he, he'd made a lot of connections. Mm -hmm by linking back what had been quite abstract and contextually bound in his work with something much bigger and something he was very like very much and very passionate mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. and and he'd come to he'd got a lot of uh, insights actually into what to do and i thought that worked very well and um, so that's the other thing that i'm i'm always trying to do to try to make a connection to to get to, to break out of the context sometimes because that's mm -hmm. also some you know a constriction of they think work you know this is work mm -hmm. so i've got to think like i'm at work mm -hmm. and sometimes the answers are not there they're, they're, they're somewhere else yeah I, I like that you that you infuse other other scenarios other ways of of looking at things you know and it, it's funny when you do that like i've i've noticed over the years if i'm you know i don't have like naming something or coming up with a domain name or something like that always you know always sort of seems to work like this where I'll just put it in the back of my mind and then all of a sudden you know, out of nowhere you know I'll see a bird or something and then it hits me like oh 
That's the name, right? Yeah. So, you know, by yeah. putting by putting, you know, that other picture, that other context in somebody's in somebody's mind or just giving them that other direction so that they're, you know, they might even be thinking about it, but all of a sudden it just, you know, sort of hits them out of nowhere like, oh, this is this is the answer. This is the direction or whatever it might be, you know, completely. I, I love, I love that you do that. I love that you, you know, again, diffuse that, that, you know, that mindset into, into people. I said should before, do you have any other like sort of, I don't want to say warning words, but, but words that, you know, sort of make you sit up and, and pay attention to, you know, whatever the context is or whatever that sentence is where, where those words are being used. Would you, would you say? Well, any of those kind of words like should or shouldn't, must, mustn't, English has a lot of those, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Can't is another one, of course. You know, I can't do this. Uh, Okay, well, (laughs) why not? There's Mm -hmm. two questions there. You know, what stops you or or why not? Uh, Do you want to? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, you know, it may turn out that they can't and that's okay, but they've, they've gone into it at least. And it's not just a closed door that they haven't pushed their weight against to see if it yeah. really does open if they if they push it. So that's um, no, those are the those would be the main ones, just in terms of language, because language does point to to ways of thinking and mindsets and dynamics yeah. um, that are quite interesting, regardless of what you plug in at each end. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. And yeah, again, the, the, uh, the analogy of, you know, sort of having this, this, uh, you know, this, this factory line, if you will, this assembly line of, you know, all the inputs are going in, and then you go through the session and, you know, it comes out, maybe it's beautiful, or maybe it's a mushy mess, you know, still that still needs to be cooked or baked a little bit more. So love, love that analogy. Uh, Joseph, if people want to learn more about you, your services, you know, your books, what, what, where would they go to, to learn more? Where would they go to, to find out more about you? Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn for a connection. Also, the website is coachingthebrain.com. So easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I got very interested in, in connections with neuroscience with coaching recently. So coachingthebrain.com. Um, sure, that'll, yeah. that'll get people to me. And, and what, what types of you mentioned the few industries before and you know obviously leaders do you have any specific people that that you you know, are looking to try to to meet or is it pretty well anyone who's you know feel like they who feels like they have a block that you know they're trying to get past in their life or in their business yeah as a as a as an executive coach i do very much enjoy coaching leaders in in the energy and financial sectors it's really fascinating but there, there are many, you know, many sorts of, of issues, and, and I guess the ones that I've dealt most with uh, and seem to be very productive in terms of loosening many things up are values about values and decision making. How do you make decisions? What's, mm-hmm. what's a process of making a good decision? Because we tend to judge a decision by the outcome, and that's mm-hmm. really unfair because we have no, especially in, you know, for executives, that it's just so complex. You mm-hmm. cannot possibly control all of those variables. So you make the decision in the best way that you can based on the information that you have. So then what can you do in making that process of decision making in such a way that the decisions that you make turn out you know, better statistically, maybe in the long run than they used yeah. to. And in order to do that, you have to um, refine the information gathering that you 
get and also you have to refine your own thinking so that you're you're not going to fall into the tricks and traps that your brain will easily set out for you confirmation bias and all of those sorts of things yeah so decision making um values um and certainly personal branding leadership especially in teams um it's all it's all important and, and i don't you know whatever whatever the starting point is it, it usually branches out after that yeah 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 no that makes that makes perfect sense yeah i feel like this is something that you could keep going on and on and you know keep keep uh keep following you know when you're when you're trying to improve yourself when you're trying to better yourself there's always more questions that can be answered and there's always more directions that you can you uncover so yeah. so th- this is a really really interesting topic and and i could definitely see again you know, diving in, you know, deep with, with some people, you know, perhaps we'll do a, a, an episode one of these days where we try to try to do, you know, a, a leadership episode where we, you know, take, take this, you know, down a path of, you know, exploring somebody's issue that they're trying to solve or what have you. I think that'd be really, really interesting. So, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, no, Joseph, thank you for the time. Thank you for the information and uh, look forward to hearing more from you guys. Okay, well, thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. It's really nice to talk to you. So take care. You too. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.